Is it happening? Hello? Hello? Is it recording right now? Well, hi, everybody. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm just pulling up this. Oh, okay. So I have my spiel. Well, that's, I just didn't Because I'm used to having it on, on my computer where I'm recording, but I don't have my computer, so. No, because we're here. We're here. Everybody. Hi everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this, and this is, is Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I talk about ghost stories, true crime, mysteries, cults, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or even just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? That's because it's our show and it's not yours. And listeners, if you haven't noticed, we have some really fucking exciting news. We're back in the studio. Back in the flesh in the studio. Back in the studio. That's right. Back to studio. Back to reality. Studios back. All right. I love it. We're back. We're back. We're back, back. back again. So, uh, first of all, if this is your first time listening, stop. stop. Go, go back. back to the beginning. Start at the beginning. Listen to the first episode and go from there. Already, this is it's, it feels so, so much crisp. better. So clean. Everyone's gonna so be like, tasty. "How weird! You guys didn't have this much chemistry." Stop. When you were- go back. Listen from the beginning. If you're new here, just stop right now. Stop. Go back. Start at episode one. Welcome back. Hi, everybody. Um, It's been over a year, but Sarah and I are back to recording in studio at Mary Angela and Eric's house. Thank you so much, Eric and Mary Angela, for letting us come back into your home. I'm so excited. Because you could have said no. Girl, I'm vaxxed, I'm waxed, and I'm ready to go. I'm vaxxed? I'm not waxed. I don't wax. I don't believe in that. I'm all natural. I'm vaxxed. I got my fax. There you go. That's way better. And I'm ready to talk. Does that work? Did that work? That works okay know. for me. I, oh, hold on. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. No. I'm vaxxed. I got my facts. And I'm ready to podcast. Your, your face was not as excited as I was hoping it was going to be. And if you're listening, sit back and relax. <laughs> this is me giving you the level of face that you gave me. In sure, fine. My- Go fuck yourself. This has been <laughs> Dead Time Stories. Stories. Thank you so much. Dead Stories is hosted <laughs> by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie Seacrest. Now that. that's becoming a running joke. This is the third episode we in a row. We have running jokes, and that. I love them. That's why you have to start at the beginning, because you would be totally fucking lost right now if you didn't do what we told you to do, which is stop and go back and start at episode one, Grumblethorpe to my mouth a little bit. One thing I will say, though, because we are having people go back and start at the beginning, we are getting requests for things that we did in the beginning that we are no longer doing. It's my own fault. Like I, the fetish five and it up. ghost dicks. Ghost dicks. Yeah, we will, you we know who you are. Ghost, ghost dick. Bring it back, boy. Bring it back. Oh, he's good. No, he still interacts with us. He I know. He still talks to us all the time. We need, but he new doesn't ghost send ghost dicks. dicks. But if you are a listener and you, it doesn't. Uh, we say ghost dicks, but to be clear, we're open to all the genitals. However, you identify also as a person of in your. And your gender identity. It can be a girl penis. It can be a, a boy vagina. It can be a girl vagina. It can be a boy penis. We want to see your genitals dressed up as ghosts. Cover it. Plain make and it simple. A ghost. Cover it. Make it a ghost. Do not repeat. Do not just send us a picture of your genitals. It needs to be dressed as a ghost. Get creative. Thank you very much. And if you listened to us and you went back, you started from the beginning, then you will understand why we are soliciting cosplay pictures of Ooh, your genitals. Cosplay. cosplay. I like that. Those pictures of your genitals. I'm trying to think like I was trying to think of a way to mix genitalia now and cosplay and I'm like crotch play, but that's not mm. that sounds like, you know, like CBT, which yeah. not cognitive behavioral therapy, but if you've listened from the beginning and you remember fetish fives, you'll know that CBT also stands for cock and ball torture. Yep, it sure does. Welcome back. You said you wanted it. No, I do. I'm just co- as soon as you. You say said it, you wanted I'm- cock and ball torture. You told um, me that. Um, I did not say that. First of all, why would I want that? I don't have the appendages 
No, so, but well, you, like, you, you wanted to hear more about it. Ball torture. You wanted to hear more I want about phantom it. Phantom cock and ball torture. No, I got I you know memories flashback of all of the things that I have seen on Reddit, also about CBT, not CBD. Cognitive is, behavioral therapy. Uh, no. Cock and, cock and ball, ball torture. torture. Okay, yeah, just clarifying. No, we're never talking about cognitive behavioral theory in the banter. Therapy, okay? <laughs> the T's for therapy. Well, there's probably a theory that led to the therapy. <laughs> it, you know, it sure. changed, it evolved like You're our cute. show has. <laughs> has it? I don't know. <laughs> it's been a lovely afternoon. Was this one? Is Was it? it? Is it? We wrapped up our first. This is this has been a big been weekend a big for week Dead Time first. Stories. It's been a big weekend for us as people. Did our live performance? Not of Dead it. Time Stories. Don't worry, we didn't no, forget no, no, to no. tell you about that. We no, no, no. did our Shakespeare's Ladies show. Killed it, crushed it, nailed it, done. Right out of the cemetery, did it. We were <laughs> we, we were there literally until they had to kick us out of the cemetery. Which, mind you, that wasn't very late. It was like nine thirty, but yeah, and we had a like, show up go. until. Nine. You know, nine o'clock. So <laughs> they let us stand in the parking lot and hang out. I don't know if they knew we had wine or not because we were in the dark. But they let us hang out in that cemetery. And then they were kind enough to let us know that they were going to lock the doors. They did. They specifically did not tell us that we had to leave. They, they were, were like, like, we're going to lock, we're gonna lock the here. doors, right? If you're inside or outside, like that's on you. But 90 seconds, we're going to be locking those doors. And I was like, 90 seconds. Do you have enough time to get to the gate to lock it in 90 seconds? And then I laughed and I was like, I'm not going to test that. I'm going to go. But then my friend's car, <laughs> we thought wasn't going to start. I wasn't going to mention it. Ugh. It did start though. I know it did. I stayed until their car started, which was you eventually. The but then I was like, what if their car finally starts and then we go and then the door, the gates are locked. Charlie called me while me and my friend had already left and he called me and he said did you guys get out and I was like yeah and he said we're locked in and I was like what which way did you go and he's like we're here a gate's locked and I was like are you by the front door where did you go are you sure you're locked in there I was like you guys left before us they just went to the wrong exit oh i was like was he dicking with you he's still in that cemetery to this day (laughs) he never (laughs) left oh man some say he's still there we had a live performance in front of people and now we're recording in the studio back in the studio we're live in front of each other it is exciting it's great we're vaccinated we're socially distanced we're still six feet apart from one another like we like we haven't been in closer like we haven't shared smoking utensils (laughs) Drinks. Like, we haven't swapped saliva, not by making out, but by sharing things that have our mouth on them. So in case y'all wanted to know how close Stephanie and I were. We're in a pod. You're in my pod. We're a podcast. Yeah, that's why we podcast together. We put the pod in podcast. Aw, we do. That's what we did through the quarantine. But guess what, baby? Not anymore. Back, 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 baby. We're back, back, back again. And you know what? Hey, Sarah. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, hey Leslie. Leslie, is he here? Is he here? We're back in the studio. Is he here? Is he here? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? See how crispy and clean. Oh God, it's so. Mm. It just tastes nice to be back in the studio. It might also just be because they're making dinner downstairs, and it smells really, it smells good. really good. Hey, you know what is uh, still on our bullshit though? We talked about. Who's we asked each first? other. I asked you how long your story was, right? But uh, we never asked each other who was going first. Who's on first? What's on second? We didn't plan out our show. Well, you said you have kind of a longer one, right, for your first one? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> Mine's kind of like medium. So it's Take funny because it we mentioned this website a little while ago. Um, but I actually have a story from No Sleep on Reddit. Ooh. It's scary out there. It is scary out there. So I was um, I was specifically looking for stuff on No Sleep, and I wanted to know just more about the like the subreddit of No Sleep. There's also a podcast that... They read stories from No Sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sarah, I believe we found out. Did we find out about the Elevator game from No Sleep? Or was that a different part of Reddit? The Elevator game is probably from No Sleep and others. 
because no sleep is basically a big form for fiction writers to test out. Right, their of course. Yeah, right, yeah, like yeah. fictiony horror stories. Which is what the elevator game is, but also isn't. Because I'm like, that's how we really heard about it, right? Was that really good story? Yeah. I was like, you had talked about Lisa Lamb and the elevator game. And then Yeah, so I heard originally about the elevator game from another podcast that covered Elisa Lamb. And, and they then, mentioned it. And I was like, this is weird. I got to look into this a little bit more. And then I got really fascinated by it. And yeah, like found some stories yeah. from it was No Sleep. From no Sleep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I've become, I was, you know, more interested and I was like, I want to find more good stories and I also just want to learn about No Sleep. Um, but today I am just reading you one of the, um, this came up a lot as like one of like the really good No Sleep stories, okay? And if you're not familiar, like I said, it is a subreddit. So it is like a sect of Reddit basically where people share a lot of stories And there are rules to the stories that people share on No Sleep, which I thought was really fascinating. (laughs) But it makes sense. Um, Because the idea is that you're you're telling the story in the first person, that it's like something that happened to you and it's spooky, whether it's a ghost or, you know, paranormal, whatever. Um, But one of the biggest rules of No Sleep is the person, you can't die. Because if you're telling a story that's like, this happened to me, then how are you telling it if you died? Which I'm like, that's... Totally fair. Um, and makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> um, so I will take that away with me now whenever I read stories in No Sleep. Like, we know that that person's not going to die, but like, what happened? com. No Sleep? No, never. Got it. Got it. <laughs> uh, so, this is a story by the Dalek Emperor, which I thought was hysterical because the really? Daleks are from Doctor Who. Um, those are like the main bad guys on Doctor Who. Uh, but this was voted scariest story of 2015. Ooh. And this is, so that makes this story seven years old, but it still comes very highly recommended. Oh, this story's in second grade. Um, Sarah, have you ever heard of the Betsy doll? Have you heard this story? Betsy the doll? I don't think so. Here we go. Is she best friends with Peggy? Um, Peggy what is, Hill. oh, I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> So, this, again, is by the Dalek Emperor on the No Sleep Reddit. Okay. Betsy the Doll. Here we go. Like most people these days, I had a fucked up childhood. Who doesn't, right? My father took off before I was born, and my mother was left to care for me on her own, a skill she was sorely lacking. My mother slipped right back into the drug-addled party lifestyle she'd enjoyed before I was born and had soon turned our two-bedroom apartment into an opium den. For the first five years of my life, I walked around in a confused, terrifying mist. The smoky air would flood down the hallway from our living room and slip under my bedroom door. It always seemed to linger there for days. I know now that my mother wasn't a bad person, just a victim of her addictions. When she did have spare money, she would put food in the house and buy me clothes from Goodwill. The only pieces of furniture I had in my room was a mattress set and a little blue and white toy chest. Not that I had a lot of toys to put in it, of course, just the three I had gotten for birthdays. One was an art kit, one was a red wagon, and the last, my pride and joy, was a doll named Betsy. Uh Uh-oh. Betsy was my best friend. We would have imaginary tea parties together, sleep together, and even take baths together. Sometimes I even remember her voice. When I thought back on my conversations with the doll in adulthood, I realized that I was likely suffering from delusions thanks to the always present butts of smoke that laid calmly uh, that laid claim to the dingy hallways and drafty bedrooms of our small apartment. Still, I remember the sound of her voice, a pleasant, tingling lilt that was almost always coupled with a raucous giggle. I also remember the things that she said to me and the things she wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. Show us on the doll where the doll touched you. She asked me to steal, usually food or pens and pencils. She wanted me to bring her forks and knives and hit the bad man who slept on our couch. It was always something, and I would always get in trouble, but Betsy wouldn't. When I told my mother who had put me up to these games, she would scoff and shake her head. She never believed me. Adults never do. Around my sixth birthday, I asked my mother for a birthday party. I wanted to invite the mean girls from school and serve them cake and ice cream to make them like me. I remember standing in the kitchen that day with such hopes, having just asked my most important question of my entire life. The glass bottle of Coca-Cola I held was shaking nervous in my hands. I waited with bated breath as my mother continued putting away groceries, almost as if she hadn't heard me, but I knew that she had. 
Finally, just as I had failed a second time to muster the courage to repeat my question, she turned around and gave me a flippant shake of the head. A birthday party, Laura? That's ridiculous. I can't afford to feed 15 children that aren't mine. Hell, I can barely afford to feed you. You eat like an elephant, especially for a girl your size. I'm sorry, or Betsy does. There's barely anything left for me to eat around here, much less a classroom of other people's brats. My face fell as she shook her head, mumbled something else under her breath, and stumbled off into the living room. I heard the music go up, then as more people walked in through the door. Some left, some stayed. I never knew them either way. It simply wasn't fair. My mother threw parties all the time. What about me? I was a kid. All my friends had birthday parties, and now the mean girls at school would know I was too poor to have one, and they would tease me even more. I felt tears start to well in the corners of my eyes, and I choked back a sob while I ran to my room and slammed the door behind me. Betsy was lying on the bed and smiling. She was always smiling. Usually it made me feel better, but today it just made me angry. She kept staring at me, smiling. She was going to tell me to do something bad again. This is why my mother wouldn't throw me a birthday party. It was all because of the trouble I got into because of Betsy. This was just her fault. Betsy didn't have to go to school, and Betsy never got in trouble like I did, and in my young mind, I truly believed it was the doll, not my mother, who was to blame for everything. I snapped then. I screamed in indignant rage, and I threw the Coke bottle as hard as I could at the bed. It hit Betsy on the forehead, and she fell to the floor. Oh, no. Good. Oh. I picked up the bottle and hit her again and again. I thought I heard her laugh, and I hit her harder. Oh. Then I laughed. When my rage was spent, I dragged Betsy to my toy chest and threw her in. I slammed it shut and kicked the chest against the wall. I never wanted to see Betsy again, ever. I never owned another doll after Betsy. About a week later, the police came and two nice ladies took me to live in a new home in a new state with food and toys and no drugs. The trunk went into storage and the wagon disappeared. I never saw my mother again. As I got older... My foster parents admitted to me that she was in jail doing 25 years. That was fine with me. I felt nothing for her anyway. I still had nightmares because of my life with that woman. But then slowly, I began to heal. I focused on doing well in school, and I ignored my mother's letters from prison. She reached out to me several times in my 20s as well, but I always declined her calls. That is, until this morning. I'm 30 now, with my own children, and a loving, honest husband. I have a beautiful house, two dogs, and a career as a social worker trying to make a difference for the kids who had it bad like me. I'm happy, I'm steady, and I'm content. So when I got a voicemail from my mother informing me she had been paroled and that she wished to speak, I decided to let her say her piece. Since the kids were home from school, I went out into the shed in the backyard to return my mother's call. The shed was the children's domain, and they used it to play in the summer. I sat on my old toy chest, which was currently being used as a tea party table, and dialed the number she left me. Three rings. Hello, Laura? Hello, Mother. How are you? Oh, Laura, thank you for speaking to me. I know you have your own life now and a family. I would love to meet them someday. I just wanted to tell you how sorry I am for everything. Mother, you're not meeting my kids ever. And since you called me, I'm going to do what I needed to do for all these years. The opium, the heroin, they destroyed you. And the worst of it is that you almost took me down with you. I was five. That was no home for a child. Honestly, I'm surprised it took you so long to get caught. Laura, I know how it seems, but honestly, I know nothing. Look, it hardly matters, and I do understand why you feel that way, why you would hate me, and why you don't want me to meet your little ones. I learned a lot about forgiveness while I was away, and, oh, Laura, I'm just sorry about Betsy. Betsy? I paused, confused. Why would you care about her? I know, Laura, believe me, it was all my fault, the drugs, the partying, and Betsy. Oh, God, if I'd only paid attention, if I'd only known, she's gone and it's because of me. As my mother began to cry, I tapped my fingers on the toy box impatiently. The drugs had clearly fried her brain. Mother, I sighed, what are you talking about? Why do you even care? I know where Betsy is. She's right underneath me. What are you talking about, Laura? Oh, my God, where is she? I shifted uncomfortably. Well, Betsy's in the trunk where she's always been. There was a beat of stunning silence. What do you mean your sister is in the trunk? Sister? What are you talking about? Back on the drugs? That's a record even for you. Betsy is a doll. I locked her in my toy box for a few days before you got arrested for possession. Laura, oh God, Laura, what have you done? I wasn't arrested because of drugs, Laura. I was arrested because of Betsy's disappearance. You always called her your little doll, but we thought you knew. 
We thought you knew. Laura, what have you done to my baby? What? (laughs) My mind had gone blank with no emotion. I set the phone down next to me and stood up. I could hear the muffled sound of my mother's anguished cries and feel the dark clutch of possibility in my own chest. Memories were stirring in the back of my mind, threatening to flood forward into my consciousness. They pushed against a door in my mind that had been locked so tightly for so long I had forgotten it was even there. Was it even possible? Could the trauma and the opium have really led me to believe that a small child was actually a doll, begging for food, for utensils to eat with, asking me to protect her from the bad man? No. I slowly turned around and brought my eyes down to the makeshift tea party table. Surely, it was too small. You couldn't fit a person in there. You couldn't. But then what about a very small, starving, emaciated child? The fuck? What about her? Would she fit? Would an investigator even bother looking for a person in this chest? I knew I wouldn't. It was just too small. And I was sure we had to have opened the toy chest at some point over the years, hadn't we? Or something swimming in the back of the dark recesses of my memories has always stopped me. I couldn't remember ever seeing it open. I knelt down to the ground and opened the clasps. It would be better not to look. After all that I had overcome, this new life I had earned for myself, it could all be undone by opening this toy box. I shouldn't open it. I should throw it in a landfill and forget it ever existed. I should not look inside. I opened the chest. Yeah, duh, because what else are you going to do? I never had a doll. My mother could never afford to buy me one. I never had a wagon either, for that matter, but I did have a toy box, a pretty blue and white toy box. And when I was five, I beat my little sister to death and put her in it. I like this story because, I mean, not because it's popular, but it is popular. I like this story because I definitely was like, evil doll, evil doll, evil doll, evil doll, evil doll, ready for like evil doll. And I was like, what happened with a doll? Okay, it was very anticlimactic. And then I was like, oh my God. She beat her to death and put her in a toy box. Oh, no. And that's the story of Betsy the doll. Betsy not the doll. Betsy the doll? (laughs) Puff the Magic Debbie? I was thinking the whole time when they were talking about Betsy. I'm like, huh, so she's playing Debbie House. She's playing Debbie House. It's Betsy House. Betsy House. House. She's playing Betsy House. But Betsy was like, I'd like to continue to live in this house. And then she played Betsy Toy Chest. And that's Betsy the doll. She did. She played Betsy Toy Chest. She played Betsy Toy Chest. There it is. All right. Good night. This has been Dad Time Stories. Beetle it. Beetle it. That's Betsy the doll. Sarah, what are you talking about this week? Well, this week I'm talking about a ghost story. Of course you are. Ghost story? It's a question mark? Yes. I'm calling this, though, for now, this is the story of Popper the Poltergeist. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Popper the Poltergeist. Do it. it. I'm ready. February 1958, strange things began to happen to a family in Long Island. The Herman family. Yeah, all the fucking, if you live on Long Island, strange things are going to happen to your family. Stranger than normal things are happening. Like stranger things? Stranger, stranger things. Strangest things? I don't know about strangest, but definitely like strange things. Like strange, but not uh, like stranger things? I don't know. Um, this How is, strange on a, on a scale well, you're gonna from find strange out. to strangest. You're going to find out. I would call it a strangey. I don't know what that means, but let's go. All right. Uh, this happens to the Herman family, spelled H-E-R-R-M-A-N-N. Ugh. Why are they so extra? The Hermans. February 3rd, 1958, Popper makes his debut performance at the Herman home. First, let's meet the Hermans. You have James, the dad, and then you have Lucille, the mom. Are you saying it like that, like their kids in that video where they're like, I'm this kid. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. 
I'm James. I'm your dad. I'm Lucille. I'm your mom. I'm Lucy. I'm your daughter. I'm Jimmy. I'm your son. How many of them are there? There's only four. Okay, so that's the whole family. Yeah. Okay. So it's... I was like, how much longer are we doing this? <laughs> they um, are also part of the Quiverful movement. Oh, so we've got 23 more to go. There it is. I'm... <laughs> I'm Papa. More to go. I'm your ghost. We've only done four and counting. And counting. <laughs> and lost count. No, you have James... And Lucille. Parents. And their children, Jimmy and Lucy. Mm-hmm. Who are named after their parents. He named them, they named their kids But their Jimmy name. is their daughter and Lucy is their son. <laughs> no? I, I wish. No? Okay. No. No, they weren't that progressive. Okay. <laughs> uh, Lucy's the daughter. Jimmy's the son. Got you. So the first day this happens, February 3rd, mom is home, like, getting dinner prepped uh, for the evening. Dad is still at work. Kids come in the house from school like a bat out of hell, like kids do. Uh, For the timeline, daughter, Lucy, she's 13. Jimmy, the son, he's 12. So they come in the house. Oh, my God, this happened at school today. You know, he just so farted on the bus. That shit was crazy. And they come in. They set their shit down, and they go to the kitchen to talk to their mom. And not too long after they walk into the kitchen – all three of them suddenly hear a series of popping sounds going off in different areas of the house. Right? That's you have a quizzical have a look. Heavily, yeah, raised eyebrow. Yes, that's what they did too. They were like, What? <laughs> after they went in and after the sound stopped, they went and investigated and they found Various, uh, they discovered various bottles of liquid had all lost their tops. So these different bottles of liquid <laughs> throughout the weird house weird thing for a ghost to fuck with. Pop! That was, the, but that's what they heard was yes, the popping of just the like pop, 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 popping bottles all around. This ghost is comes party. in party. That ghost knows how to party. I'm Popper, the poltergeist, and we got some bottle service up in this bitch. I put the pop, popper pop. in popper bottles, bitch. I wanted to make a poppers joke, but my joke for poppers is as opposed to a poppers, popper the poltergeist is the opposite. Because when he goes off, your butt clenches. Your butthole clenches up. Like instead that. of loosening. <laughs> so various bottles of liquid had all lost their tops. And they were, they also, it's not that they were like pot, like they weren't corks. They were screw Sounds on and like off me tops. <laughs> Pee down. What? I was trying to make a gay joke about all these people losing their tops. <laughs> Sounds like a weekend at P-Town. She made it. So they all <laughs> lost their tops. But they were screw-on tops, so that's weird. What they that's found, suspicious. That's weird. They found an open bottle of bleach in the basement. Oh, no. An open bottle of liquid starch in the kitchen. Open bottles of shampoo and medicine in the bathroom. And in the master bedroom on the dresser, there was a bottle of holy water that had been uncapped and knocked over. <laughs> Mom calls dad. So it wasn't popping bottles like alcohol. It was popping no. bottles like literally whatever bottles were just like around. I'm going to fuck your shit up. I'm getting something on every single floor of this house. Yeah. Pop, 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 motherfucker. Mom calls dad. Um, Hi. Really weird shit just happened here. These bottles all, like, lost their tops. They popped off. It's crazy. Dad says, okay, is anyone hurt? She's like, well, no. It's just really weird. (laughs) And he's like, great. This can wait until I'm off of work and I'm back home. He's like, so you didn't need to tell me that it's not an emergency is what you're telling me. And she's like, "Uh, okay, bye, I guess. Uh, and so the whole family writes this first instance off as just, that's, that's weird. That's suspicious, but I'm going to go on about my life. And dad was immediately suspicious from the beginning. He's thinking maybe it's just like a change in humidity or some type of pressure happened, popped him, whatever. Don't freak out. Everything is fine. They write it off. They go about their lives. Nothing more happens until three days later. February 6th, the same time of day as before, around 3.34, kids are just getting home from work, or work, well, school is work. Kids just Girl, getting home from school. That's what my mom used to tell me. She told me school is my job. School's work. Um, they get right home from school, and then Poppers is up to his usual BS. 
He's like, hey, did you miss me? I'm back for round two. Pop, 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 pop. Pop, 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 pop. Another half dozen bottles pop their tops. Same ones? No. Different ones. But similar. Okay. So they popped a bottle of nail polish. But then he also (laughs) popped a bottle of rubbing alcohol to maybe help clean it up, I guess. Then he also popped bleach and detergent again. Also the starch again. Pop those tops. And knock that holy water over. He's always like, fuck "Fuck your holy water. He's like, here, wash your house, wash your clothes, clean your shit, and fuck your holy water. Honestly, maybe he is just trying to tell them to like clean their shit and get their life together. Listen, bitch, it's a smelly ass house. I'm a ghost. I don't even have my full capacities, and I can tell that your house is nasty. Clean it up and fuck up your holy water. Look, this ain't doing shit for you. I'm gonna knock that over. You need that detergent, right? You need that starch. I feel like he's just like, fuck your holy water. What do you think? He's like, that's a waste. That's a waste. Just knock that over. He's like, what you do? Get this holy water from Wish? This doesn't do nothing. (laughs) Next day, Friday. November, November, February 7th. It happens again. Everything pops. But at this point, James Sr. Was home this time? He'd been home for the, he was home this time, but he also was like, I have a theory. Okay. It's my shitbird son. He's going around. He loves science. He loves these science experiments. He's setting these as pranks to scare his mom and he's having it to where they go off right when he gets home from school so he can see her getting scared. It's my fucking son. He's pulling these pranks that Jimmy Jr., I'm going to get him. So he murdered him and then he murdered his whole family. (laughs) No, no, no. No, he started with himself. Yeah, and then that's the end of our story. But I wanted to use it as an example that if you just kill yourself first, then your kids can move on to live productive lives. No, No, nobody dies in this story. But it's a ghost. I'm so well. The ghost is the popper. Go for it. The ghost is popper. But right now, James Senior thinks it's my kid. My fucking kids did it. So shithole son. My little shitbird son. So he watches Jimmy Jr. all weekend. He's like, I'm going to be watching this kid. I'm going to watch whatever he does. I'm going to watch every movement. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. And he fucking watched him. And he watched him. And he didn't see anything out of the ordinary. So he sits down to have his breakfast Sunday morning. And then all of a sudden, more bottles pop, 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 bitch. And he was like. Oh, this. Oh, Jimmy. You're fucking grounded for life. You're dead. He storms into the bathroom where little Jimmy Jr. is brushing his teeth. Oh, I thought he was popping turds into the toilet bowl. No, he was brushing his teeth. He might have been doing both. I thought he was on the toilet like, pop, 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 pop. But they were like coming out of his butthole. And he was like, Jimmy Jr., you got to fix your diet. Like, you need to see a doctor. No. Bottles popped. He ran in. I know you're up to this, Jimmy Jr. Confess, confess, confess. Jimmy Jr.'s got his toothbrush in his mouth like, no, Dad, I brought it to Dad. I didn't do Fuck, it. Dad. It's not me, Dad. And as they're arguing, James watches with disbelief right in front of him as a bottle of medicine travels across the counter and falls onto the ground. It and pops open. then, no, it just falls. And then he watches... A bottle of shampoo do the same exact thing and at that point he's like uh time to call the cops i don't know what else to do whenever people call cops about ghosts i'm always like what okay what do you think they're gonna do so he but he's also like i don't i don't know what to do so i don't know what to do call the police i don't know call the police so he calls the police and after repeatedly assuring and convincing the police that he's not pulling a prank and he's not pulling a joke. The police send out officer, where's his name? Officer James Hughes to inspect the house. Skeptical at first, officer Hughes had his mind changed when several bottles, once again in the bathroom, popped themselves open, aiming those popping lids at him. Pop, pop, pop right at his face. And that's when he was like, Ooh, yeah, that's weird. I don't know how to help you here. We're the police, sir. Call the Ghostbusters. But honestly, I said it's because even Popper says, fuck the police. Yeah, he he's do. like, pop, pop, pop. Get out of here. Right? Everybody else, he's like, you have to deal with this annoying sound. Them, he was like, pop, pop, in your face. In your face. Get the cops out of here. Who, who called the cops? Fuck 12. I'm <laughs> Poppers. Hey, who called the cops? So at that point, a detective, Joseph Tazi, was assigned to look into the case. And on Tuesday, February 11th, 
So again, we're not even a full 10 days since the beginning of this activity. This is preposterous. February 11th, Detective Tazi came to stay and watch the Herman home and family. That very first night, a bottle of perfume spilled in the daughter's bedroom and the bottle of holy water in the master bedroom was spilled again. Over the next few days, the activity seemed to be focused on the holy water until February 15th when the activity switched course. The kids were watching TV with a cousin in the living room when a porcelain figurine on an end table began to wriggle and suddenly shot two feet in the air before landing on the ground with a crashing sound. Surprisingly enough, however, the figurine was not damaged in any way. Was it a a Precious Moments figurine? I was just about to make that joke. So at that point, they called in the priests because Mama Lucille said, you are not touching my Precious Moments. My I knew moments. it. I knew it was gonna be. I knew we were gonna do a precious moments thing. It had to be. It's a little porcelain thing that you know the mom was into. It was precious moments. Precious moments. Always precious moments. Google it if you don't know what it is. But hopefully you do. If and I feel like if you don't know it from us saying precious moments, if you Google that, you'll see the picture. Right. And you'll go, as soon as it comes oh. up, you'll be like, oh, that's what those are called. Duh. So yeah, Mama Lucille said. No one fucks with my precious moments figurines. We're calling the priest. So they called in a priest to bless to bless the house. Oh, he breasted that house so he, good. He breasted that house. He sprinkled that house. Sprinkled it. Sprinkled it with holy water in each room. He was like, "Look, this is that good, good holy water, not that wish holy water." Well, Popper looked at him and went, "That's cute." He's like, "That's what you think." That's real cute. I'm not leaving. I pay rent here. In the short two weeks since his debut, Popper had now become a minor celebrity. The story received a lot of attention, even getting articles in both Time and Life magazine. Fuck out. Yep. He's popular. Very popular. During the day, the Herman home was surrounded by reporters, photographers, curiosity seekers, and an astounding array of television equipment. While the Hermans managed to get used to these intrusions into their lives, they weren't quite prepared for some of the strange shit that came with it. Letters, telephone calls came every day. Many of them were people trying to give solutions, give them advice. You should try this. While others also assured the family that Martians had definitely landed nearby (laughs) or that the problem in the house was the spirit of a long dead Indian chief or... That the Russians were tunneling under Long Island Stop. to invade Stop. New York. Stop. That's what was happening. The Russians are tunneling under Long Island to invade New York. I'm just telling you right now that Kremlin is coming in. Some of the letters and visitors were less easy to tolerate, however. Letters would arrive in barely intelligible scrawling, writing, condemning the Hermans for their sins and suggesting that they had invited these tricks of Satan into their own Match. home. Natch. Ministers from all sorts of dubious faiths conducted rituals on the front lawn of the house. One man in a blue suit who claimed to be a holy man from Center Morakai, a nearby town on Long Island, I don't know, knelt in the yard and prayed for 10 minutes. Then he stood up and he announced, Everything is all right. You have been forgiven. And then he just left. <laughs> and what? Popper was like, mm-hmm, that's cute. He's like, you don't know me like that, okay? You don't know me like that. So, so stop you- acting like you think you know me because you don't know me. I'm Popper and you don't know me, okay? I'm also going to need you to get out of my front lawn. You are lowering the property value on this house. Because guess what? Popper here about to pop off all then, these bottles. And then he did. Detective Tazi and James Sr. had been investigating every single logical avenue that they could to explain what was happening. They had checked with the Air Force for flight patterns to maybe they had had jets flying overhead uh, overhead, and the vibrations would make things pop off or sure. something. No, there were no jets flying over. Um, they checked... They had the fire department come out and check the well on the property to see if maybe the well levels had changed and then that might have changed things. No, the well had stayed constant for five years. They had the electric company come out and put a sensor in the basement to see if there were vibrations happening. No, nothing was happening. Nope, none of that. On February 20th, 
the events began became even more violent. Another precious moments figurine was Stop. smashed. We don't know that it was precious moments. We're, we're assuming. assuming it was precious moments, but I feel pretty safe in that assumption. What year too. was it? Fifty-eight. Yeah, they had them back then, right? I think so. Even if it's not a precious moments figurine, to Lucille, it is a precious figurine. It was, yeah, it it represented precious moments in her life when she got them. Are you looking up when precious moments started? You know I am. (laughs) You know that is exactly what I'm doing. So why did you ask? Because now I want to know the answer. I don't want to see their website. I want to see them on Wikipedia. They were founded in 1978, so they weren't precious moments. I'm going to cut all of that. I'm a little sad. (laughs) Another Precious Moments figurine was smashed against the desk. (laughs) A bottle of ink popped its screw tap, then also sailed into the air and splashed its contents on the wall. Hot damn. And a sugar bowl flew off the table under the watch, all of Detective Tazi. So the family was like, we need a break. And they went and spent the, fa- spent the night with a relative. So the family left the house. That night, the detective stayed in the house by himself, and nothing happened. Oh, of course. When the family returned the next evening, though, once again, the sugar bowl flew he went from twice the table. His fucking ham. Yep. Well, no, just the sugar bowl. So the sugar bowl, again, flew from the table, and this time it shattered into pieces. Table, it smashed a bunch of, into a bunch of pieces. Yep. Yep. On February 28th, Detective Tazi was startled to his feet by the sound of a loud noise from Jimmy's room. No one had been in the room or near it, yet a large bookcase had managed to fall face down onto the floor. The next night, while Jimmy was in the room doing his homework, his record player lifted and moved 15 feet across the room. How damn. I know. And a small (laughs) statue of the Virgin Mary flew more than 12 feet and struck a mirror frame in the master bedroom. A bookcase filled with encyclopedias in the common area was upended. A heavy glass centerpiece from the dining room table flew up and struck a cupboard, chipping away a piece of molding. A world globe shot down the hallway from Jimmy's room and just missed the detective himself. And then a newspaper photographer, who was one of the many photographers who was like going around the house, he claimed that he witnessed his flashbulbs lift off a table and fly through the air to strike a wall. In addition, our buddy Popper had also begun knocking on the walls to get attention, although no attempts to communicate with the ghost were ever made, which is weird. Detective Tazi had become concerned about the new violence that was happening with the disruptions. Until that point, the activity had been limited to popping bottle tops, but now he was throwing shit around. Yeah. He had explored every possible explanation that he could come up with, and while he was not prepared to say that this house is haunted, he was all out of fresh ideas. Was he prepared to say it was haunted? He was not prepared to say any of that. He was also not prepared to say that this house is clean. Because it wasn't. No. He was all out of fresh ideas. And about the same time, the staff of scientists at the Parapsychology Laboratory in Duke University, North Carolina, became interested in the events reported in the Herman home. This group of researchers, under the leadership of a Dr. J.B. Rhine, had already compiled a mass of evidence that supported the idea that certain people, under the right certain circumstances, could influence the behavior of objects without touching them. They called it psychokinesis. So did they think that... Or PK. That Lucille had it? Or that one of the family members had it? That's going to be one of the theories. On February 26th, again, all of this activity started on February 3rd. Yes. February 26th, Dr. Ryan's assistant, a Dr. J. Gaither Pratt, traveled to New York and arrived at the Herman home. I don't know why I hate that name. Pratt. Pratt. It's kind of just, like, harsh. Pratt. Pratt believed that someone in the house was unknowingly causing the strange incidents to occur. Okay. Meanwhile, other researchers had come to believe that the incidents in the house were being caused by an actual ghost, a poltergeist. So it is similar to poltergeist activity. Things are just being thrown around. It's not communicating with you. It's fucking up your holy water. It threw your Virgin Mary statue. It could be a poltergeist. 
On the other hand, strong evidence remained for the idea that there was a human component behind the haunting. So it has been noted by Duke researchers, and I've read this from other places, that they believe that an adolescent child, they usually say it's a girl. And we saw this with, I believe, the Einfield poltergeist. Or, no, it was one of the other ones where the girls claimed that the de- the poltergeist was, like, talking through them and they were talking in the different voice. Mm-hmm. They also claimed that it was just the girls sort of causing the phenomenon because they're going through puberty. And some people, when they're going through puberty, can just, like, have this extra... Like Carrie. The fifth element. Yes. Like Carrie. Just yes. like Carrie. That's what happened to her. But she in- got her period and the powers. So, but in this case, they believe that the young person is capable of psychokinesis during the height of puberty. However, in these cases of psychokinesis, the young person is not aware that they are the cause of the activity. They well, have Carrie no control over first. it. No, but then she came. This is still one where the, it's not even like Jimmy was in his room and was like, wait a minute. Oh, I could move my record player. Oh, maybe this has been my stuff. Oh, No. Like, they, they they aren't aware of what's going on around them. In the case of the Herman house, they believe that Jimmy would have been the the puberty-ridden teen with the psychokinesis well, the calling the activity. Jimmy anyway, but he thought it was because Jimmy was super into science experiments. He didn't know it was because of Jimmy's hormones. And he's like, por qué no los dos? I'm into science experiments, and I got a lot of puberty, so, hmm. Because Double Jimmy down. was at or near the scene of the poltergeist disturbances more than 75% of the time. Mm-hmm. For many instances, for many incidents, he was the sole witness. However, he had been cleared by the detective and his dad of actually deliberately doing anything. Yeah. Like other people who came before him, our Dr. Pratt was welcomed into the Herman residence and greeted Why? warmly. Hey, hey Pratt. Did you say greeted warmly? He was greeted warmly, even though his name was Pratt. For a second, I thought you said he was greeted horribly. He was greeted horribly. Like, Just leave. Get out, Pratt. He explained that he had come as an observer, and he spent most of his time just chatting with Jimmy, playing cards with him. Observing. Observing, helping him with his homework. And at that point, there was no sign of strangeness during the visit. Popper was absolutely quiet. Things were quiet for several days, as though the poltergeist did not want to perform for the scientists. Then, on March 2nd, one month almost after Popper made his debut... Popper embarked on his farewell tour. All of the Hermans were in the house to witness what took place. First, a dish vaulted from a kitchen cabinet and shattered on the floor. Then, a night table night table flipped over in Jimmy's room. Popper was back, and yet there was still no explanation as to who or what he was. Two days later, a bowl of flowers slid down the dining room table and jumped into the air, and a bookcase turned end over end in the cellar. And on March 10th, while Mrs. Herman, Jimmy, and little Lucy were getting ready for bed, Dr. Pratt suddenly heard a loud popping sound in the cellar. They hurried downstairs to see what it was, and they found that a single bleach bottle sitting in a cardboard box had somehow lost its plastic it's lid. The fucking bleach. And for reasons unknown, this became the last act of Popper the Poltergeist. Okay. There had been a record of 67 disturbances between February 3rd and March 10th. The Hermans had been visited by detectives, building inspectors, electricians, plumbers, firemen, parapsychologists, and half of the nutcases on the East Coast, and yet none of them had been able to prevent had been able to present any sort of explanation for what had happened in their house. Nah. As late as August 1958, the scientists at Duke still had no clue as to what had happened or why. And by this time, the Hermans had fucking had enough of all of it, investigations, and just wanted their lives to get back to normal. James Herman no longer cared why the disturbances had taken place. He was just happy they were over. And Mrs. Herman told an Associated Press reporter, I don't think there is a definite solution. It was just one of those things with no rhyme or reason to it. But there was a definite physical force behind it. So that was Popper. That's wild. A case of a poltergeist or just puberty? Okay, now let's do this. Poor I guess it's both. The puberty poltergeist. It's a puberty ghost. It's a puberty ghost. Puberty ghost here to pop the top off your bleach. Puberty was the name of the play that we met doing. It was. Look at that. Circle back. This is my directorial debut. Here you are about to do your directorial debut. I know. Look at that. 
Tell the people about your show. That's the end of her story, first of all. That's the end of my story. Popper be popping these bottles. Popper be popping these bottles. A pop, 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 pop. Popper be popping these bottles because, yeah, puberty and he might be a poltergeist. Were you spooked this week? Tell me what your thoughts. How do you feel about Betsy the doll? How do you feel about the pop and pop and pop 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 Popper the Popegeist. I think I just had a stroke. Can you take me to the hospital? <laughs> yeah, come on. Let's go. Okay, bye, everyone. This has been Dead Time Stories. That's that story. That's the best. That's the fourth time we've done that this episode. Just this episode. <laughs> just this episode. No, Stephanie's right. Uh, wrapping up, I am directing a staged reading. And by staged, I mean it's on Zoom. Staged reading with Alan's Lane, Alan's Lane Reader's Theater. And that's coming up. June 4th and 5th. All of that information is online. It is completely pay what you wish. You do have to reserve your tickets because how else are you going to get the Zoom link? But tune in. It'll be a really great time. It's my directorial online debut. You should check out Sarah's directorial debut. You should. I'm very excited. And it's uh, it's written by a very good friend Remember of hers. A good friend, Brittany Brewer. Brittany Brewer. And... I know it's starring a good friend of mine, Josh Hawkins, but there are other people in it. (laughs) Yes. Josh Hawkins is in it. Josh has been on our show. He was a guest for Guesttoberfest. Yes, he's fantastic. He is fantastic. And then it is also starring Taylor Morgan, who did Eurydice with me. And then I have two other lovely actresses, Maddie McCree and Julia Colsar. So it's a fantastic time. And how do they get tickets? Uh, you can go onto the Allen's Lane website under the Reader's Theater tab. It's pay what you wish. You can literally pay $0 and you'll get the link. I'll pay more than $0. And that's it. I'll pay money. Yeah. But, but you don't have to if you don't want to. But you don't have to if you don't want to or if you're unable to. It's what you wish. And speaking of giving money and what you wish, you should subscribe to our Patreon. Yes, please. We have $1, $5, $10, $15 donations. So pay what you wish of those four increments. Of those four <laughs> increments. <laughs> it will let you give whatever amount of yes. money you would like to, actually. Very true. It is pay what you wish. But there are things that you get at different <laughs> whatever you wish to pay. There are things that you get at different tiers, $1, $5, $10, $15. We, of course, also have merch on our website, deadtimestories.com. But in true pay-what-you-wish fashion, if you have no money and you still want to help us out, you can go on iTunes and give us a five-star review on the iTunes store, and it'll send people our way, and they'll find our show, and we'll yell at them to listen from the beginning. Yes, it's the circle of life. I love it. We're great. This is awesome. This is what it's like back in the studio. We're back, back, back again. Back, Shenanigans. Back again. I love it. Uh, until next week, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And even and after that, I'm still Stephanie and she's still Sarah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to be next week. That's fair. And this, this has been, been Dead Time Stories. Thanks for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 